Hey everybody, this is Brent Watkinson with the Everyday Artist Podcast. Today I will be speaking with Michelle DeMars. I've known Michelle for many years and she talks to us today about the art of belly dancing. And belly dancing is of course not only using one's body, but using one's mind. And she talks about wanting to get to the next level of dancing at some point in her career and her instructor said she needed to learn how to teach so that these things that she was doing in her mind and with her body, she could manifest better by learning to explain it to other people and to demonstrate it. And you'll learn a lot about belly dancing like I did as well. And the deep-seated culture that goes back thousands of years. So listen up, kids. <laughs> If you if you tell the truth with big fancy words, you're uh, not technically uh, lying. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, so let's get into it. Now, you were telling me a little bit about your tattoos previously. Do you have a lot? I have seven. Okay. I don't think that's a lot. It might be. And these days, I don't know if it's a lot or not. Yeah. Was there a plan or did you just say, you know, I need a tattoo? Um, no, no plan. Um, the first one was kind of that 19 year old, I need a tattoo. Um, and then after that, they were all very intentional. Like I want a tattoo of this thing because of this reason. Well, that sounds like a plan. That that's short, more than... short, small incremental plans, not large, okay. overarching. I've got my entire back planned out plan. There are tattoo artists that I'm understanding now that will um, specialize in certain things. Like I'm a big grand scale back tattoo guy, and that's all I do. Mm -hmm. Which I think sounds really interesting. Yeah, uh, the guy who did my birds uh, does a lot of that and has, the last time I checked, which was a couple of years ago, had a six-month waiting list to get in to see him, which is, and he only took cash. Wow. Cash only, six-month waiting list. I can get in to see my doctor before that. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing if you think about it. Yeah, and he was, always had these giant drawings of large basically back of the shoulders all the way down to the back of the knees oh pieces. my gosh like the yakuza mm -hmm. or the yakuza yeah in japan yes very much like that are you a belly dancer professionally or as a hobby or semi-professional i was semi-professional for a long time and then i took a two-year break and I am just recently getting back into it in the last year or so. So I've had one performance since I started practicing again, kind of taking it as a, let's just see where it goes. So now that leads to two questions. Why did you quit? Why did you come back? I quit because I got my heart broken. Okay. Legitimate? Yes. Um, and I stopped doing anything for oh, six heavy. months. Heavy. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah, a 14-year relationship very suddenly ended. So I just stopped doing stuff and dealt with that while I needed to. And uh, what, what drew you back? Um, I don't think it was any one thing. Um, even though I'd stopped dancing and I kept getting um, messages from different people, um, either show promoters or other dancers asking me to come do stuff. And then I just, I don't know, I, I started practicing again one day. and was like, this feels good. And so, then I found so a song that I liked. You couldn't stop. You couldn't get away from it. No. You, you tried. No. And, okay. and I've been dancing since I was in kindergarten. So. So you were not... a dancer for a long time and then it became more specialized in, in the area of belly dancer and we have a guest now named bird 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 the black kitty cat absolutely yeah. beautiful and bird got a little of attention and now 
He's um, gonna sulk. Now, now he turned his back to us because not enough attention. Yeah. Okay, so you danced, and then how did you decide, okay, now I'm gonna turn my interest or my love of dance into belly dancing, because that's a pretty, that's different than if you were doing a tango or, or a ballroom, and it's not like you even have a partner no, sometimes. No, which in a way kind of makes it easier. Because finding a male dance partner is not always easy. Um, so I was taking swing dance classes in high school because the movie Swing Kids came out. I remember that well. Great yes. music. Great music. Yes. And then the dancing was fun. And I saw that and said, I want to go do that. So I took a six-week swing dance intro class. And then I took another one. Um, and then on the last day of the second six weeks, I stayed late to talk to the teacher because I wanted to ask him when the next section was and was I ready to move up to the next level? Like I wasn't, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you I was, loved it. You loved I was, it. There and I was, was excited. I was excited about dancing and something was ignited in you that, that, um, took you, that you wanted to get to the next level. Yes. And so I'm talking to the teacher and I'm changing out of my, you know, dance shoes and into my sneakers. And then the belly dance class walks in. And I went from talking to the teacher <laughs> to, wait, what's that? Were they in costume? Uh, no, but they were wearing like coin belts and they all had veils. It was like the level three advanced class. And they so came the, in. You, you and, could tell there was just something a little. Yeah, well, they came in and like to warm up, they were doing this choreography. So it was all like floaty, magical colored veils. And they were all coordinated and looked. I wanted to do that. So I switched from. So you went from a maniacal type of beautiful swing dancing mm -hmm. to this flowing, and I have to say it, this epicurean, erotic almost type of dance. I know it's not a sexual thing, but is it a sensual thing? Uh, it's, it's seen that way by a lot of people. It's not for me at all, but I understand that that is, like I understand in my head that is a big part of the dance for a lot of performers and people who enjoy watching it. And again, I want to reiterate that I didn't say sexual, I said sensual. Yeah. And, and hopefully that there yeah. is a difference and, and yeah. I could and, be and, wrong. And, and there is a difference. Um, and just even on like the sensual, like it's, it's not for me. I okay. do not, for me when I'm belly dancing, there's <laughs> nothing about it that is in that vein of thought. So there's no, it's not a, um, an act of seduction no. Th that's going pretty far out there just to make the point of. Yeah. And, and I, th I think if you talk to any, anyone who does belly dance and like honors the art and the history of it, because it's got a really long, weird history um, in the Middle East and different areas, like hundreds of years, thousands, thousands of, years. of like, like not beyond recorded history. Okay. Like it's and like pyramids. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I, and, didn't, and, I didn't know that. And, I had no and, clue. And hundreds of different styles, very localized to different regions of the Middle East and all very like particular to those areas that has kind of evolved and mooshed up together into what you think of as like this overarching thing of belly dance. But just like any other art form, there's a bajillion different styles and a bajillion different mediums and different interpretations. And so at some point in the past maybe a thousand years or five thousand years could someone observe someone belly dancing and say ah that dance comes from this region or that person trained in a certain area of the world you were talking yeah, about the yeah East. yeah okay yeah. but now not so much maybe oh no they're they're definitely um people who specialize in different like regional variations and, and like there's a whole bunch of belly dancers, even in the KC area who know Moroccan style belly dance. And that even breaks down into smaller like subcategories and Egyptian style and, 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 uh, shabby and 
rock sharky and, and all these different little things, but I don't do that, so. <laughs> okay, okay. Is it incorrect or rude to make any um, comparisons to hula and belly dancing? Um, I mean, it's a cultural dance. Uh, That's an excellent way to put that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a cultural dance. Like, it's got a history. It's got a culture. It comes from a region. Um, and the people of those areas, like, very much love it and respect it and understand the history of it. And uh, similar to hula, I mean, there's a lot of, like, areas centered around the midriff and the pelvis. Um, but it's a very different dance. In my mind, I can see that... Um... Or I can imagine even seeing the cultural dances of Fiddler on the Roof. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are aspects that I can see, some people would say line dancing or group dancing or whatever, mm -hmm. that, that there are some movements and some maybe correlation between what they do and belly dance. And, mm -hmm. and you know, as, a, as an ignorant person not knowing your craft, I think about gypsies. Yep. And gypsies being the Hungarians. And, and, and I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing that if I don't do it, people are going to be upset. Um, uh, the Roma, not gypsies. Uh, gypsy, See, I'm, I'm ignorant. I don't know. I, and I'm telling you because good. you don't know. Um, gypsy is actually a racial slur. Okay. And don't use it. <laughs> I, I, I can probably understand that. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things that are that way now and we're starting to get clarified. Do you... And I'm trying to figure out how to formulate this question. Okay, there are, do you call it, what, what do you call it that you wear? When someone is belly dancing, what are you wearing? Um, I think bedla is the correct term. Okay. But I could be wrong on that. Like I said, I have never been really good on a lot of the vocabulary that goes with it. I just call it my costume sets. Okay, we, we can go with costume. Yeah. Uh, we can uh, crystallize it in that in that term, do you feel a different way when you get into that costume than you did five minutes before you got into the costume? Definitely. Tell me about that. What Definitely. do you What do you remember about the first time when you had your full regalia on <laughs> and you're like, wow, I'm a belly dancer? Uh, me and two of my friends probably spent two hours doing our hair and makeup for that. Mm -hmm. um, for a show, you were doing a uh, yeah, performance? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like a student performance at a farmer's market with people that we were in a class with. That counts. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like, and this is probably a little bit of extreme, an extreme way of putting it, but putting on um, armor or putting on a mask. Like suddenly you're not, you're a little mundane self who goes to your day job and pays the water bill and has to worry about groceries. You've just become this other creature. You're going to go do this thing that is not mundane whatsoever and make art happen in a three minute period that is going to dissolve into memories the minute you're done doing it. That's pretty big. <laughs> that, that's pretty heavy. No, that, that's, that's really interesting to me that you're a person A and then you put on your costume sets and you become not another person, but you become a person with the addition of these other elements that you're physically wearing mm -hmm. and it also changes your mentality. For me, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, you so become, your psychology changes in your head. Yeah. It's like becoming a variation of yourself that doesn't have these little things to worry about and is uh, maybe more beautiful than you feel like you really are or uh, more intelligent than you feel like you really are or more graceful. And hopefully if you're performing, people are looking at you. And just looking at you and accepting what they're being seen, maybe for the first time in your life, that you can sort of absorb. When you're dancing, I guess that's the right term. Mm -hmm. You're dancing. Yeah, it's dancing. <laughs> okay. Again, I'm trying to formulate this question. How much of your brain are you using? How much of your body are you using? Is it all muscle memory because you've done that routine and practice so many times? Or is it 99% brain, 
telling the rest of you how to interpret your thoughts? I don't know if I can break it down into percentages, but... Um, you can probably explain it better than I did in any way. So <laughs> I, I want to hear um, your version of this terrible question I ask. Uh, it's a lot of both. When I dance, my routines are maybe 20 to 70% choreographed, depending on the song and how long I've had to prep. Um, I've had completely unchoreographed routines become choreography because I performed them so many times it turned into a pattern that I fell into. Um, there's a lot of well, muscle. Well, that's maybe part of your personal point of view. If you yeah. do certain things over and over. Oh, I like this move to this one part. I yeah, mean, keep doing go. that one move in that one part. And, and, and somebody else would do something different. Oh, and yeah. Unless choreographed, yeah. Yeah, um, or even not choreographed. Um, there's a ton of muscle memory involved just because so much of your practice routine is training your body to do that particular movement that particular way so that you don't have to think about how far you're stretching or how far your hip is reaching or or what the angle is and that just happens and you can just kind of go with oh the music is doing this I'm going to turn this way and then follow it from there. So you've been belly dancing, you said 15 years, give or take. Um, yeah, that's kind of a hard thing to measure. Like I had my first class in 1998. Okay. But then that was sort of under the family radar. And then I went to college and didn't take any classes for four years. And then I moved to Kansas City, found classes and started taking them. And I've been here for 15 years, but then there's that two year break in there. So, okay. So roughly, yeah. And, and here's here's part of my point to the mm -hmm. question. I am not the same age as I was 15 years ago. Yeah. Things change. Yes. Is belly dancing physically the same for you now? Is it easier? Is it better? Or is it just different? Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Glad we got that figured out. Um, there are definitely things that I am much more careful about physically now than I was 15 years ago. Anything easier now? Just uh, because less, you've done it before? Less stage fright. Oh, good one. Much more... I don't know. There's things that I didn't do or I was really not good at when I first started. I struggled a lot with looking at the audience. I looked down at the floor quite a bit and that's a common like beginner dance thing where it, it looks like you're trying to like read your choreography <laughs> off the floor or off the ceiling because you're just so terrified of the audience that you don't want to look at them. Mm -hmm. um, so did you change that uh, behavior in yourself automatically or did you have to work at it? I had to work really okay. hard at that. Wow. Um, okay. And there are still days when I'm not great at it. But I've gotten a lot better at like looking, if I'm not wanting to look at the audience, looking past the audience, mm -hmm. and you can kind of fake your way through some of that eye contact. I've gotten much better about uh, footwork and moving around on a stage rather than staying in the same like two foot square area. Back bends are a lot harder for me now than they were. And I'm a lot more careful with floor work because what's, I... What's floor work? Um... Basically dancing from your knees. Hmm, okay. <laughs> Ow. Okay. Yeah, so it's a lot of um, like very uh, serpentine movements close to the floor. Um, I used to do a lot of back bends and then uh, drop to the floor, which is very dramatic and was very overused in the tribal belly dance scene for a long time. It looks great when you do it right, but you're going from bending in a way that your spine isn't really built to do, basically letting your knees go out from under you and ending up in a really weird yoga position with your back flat against the floor in that like legs turned out position your parents always told you not to sit in because you were going to screw up your knees. This can be very athletic. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the preparation, the stretching, the practice. Mm -hmm. So you would never, uh, or I shouldn't say that, it would be difficult and probably ill-advised if you had not 
practiced or been belly dancing for 30 or 60 days and somebody says, hey, can you fill in for us on Saturday night with, you know, 48 hours notice? That would be physically difficult or endangering or impossible? Mm, no, just maybe like a bad idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I mean, there are... Because there are... you can't get it back in your head soon enough and you would just be poorly executing the dance? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know any 70-year-old belly dancers or 60-year-old belly dancers? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I don't want to out them because I don't know if they want their ages to be public. Okay, no, I'm not going there. I'm saying, can you do that? Is this a, oh, lifelong, yeah. a lifelong activity? Uh, it, can... it can be if you don't mess up your back and your knees. Okay. Um, well, you can play golf when you're 90. Yeah. But you just not may be able not to... Drive yeah, I mean, as, as far as dances go, it's fairly low impact for the most part, especially if you're sticking to the more like traditional forms. There's not a lot of jumping and falling on the ground. It's it's based in really good posture, and um, a lot of the styles evolved in a really sandy environment. So if you're standing in sand, you're not doing a lot of weird flips and jumps because you're going to get sand in your eye. What were you like growing up? I was a weird, nerdy, arty military kid. A military kid? Yeah. Wow. So you grew up in a lot of places, or did you? Um, a couple. We didn't move around a lot. My dad was fortunately in a position where he could move less. We never lived overseas. We were just up and down the East Coast a little bit, but... Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm really interested in the weird part. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like the nerdy part. I like that. Um, I wasn't really good, and, and to a certain extent, I'm still not at um, social norms and like what's expected of people and reactions and how they're supposed to behave. Supposed to behave in quotation marks. Meaning you maybe don't behave the way you're supposed to behave? Okay. Uh, the phrase, but that's what you do, kind of makes me crazy. Um, but if those around you are doing fine, you don't, no. you're not critical of that. No, no. Okay. Do what you want. So you just kind of do if, your if thing. You, if you like to do that thing that everybody's doing, great. But Okay. Were you artistic when you were growing up? Yep. What were your artistic interests? Um, I wanted to be a painter. Um, I also wanted to be Mary from The Secret Garden and an astronaut. Wow. You know me and the astronaut thing. I'm <laughs> yeah. all over the astronaut yeah. thing. Like, okay, yeah. I'm with you there. I'm sitting here with you and very near to you, you have a sketchbook. Yep, So I do. did you draw and you said you wanted to be a painter. You yeah. were obviously doing art. Yes. Did you take that in school or did you just do it on your own? Uh, yeah, I took art classes whenever I could. Um, in middle school, at one point, there was a choice between taking art or taking band and I dropped band to... Continue what, taking art classes. What was your instrument in band? Um, I was playing the flute, and I had just graduated to piccolo. Oh. <laughs> which was maybe some of the more terrible sounds I've made in my life. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you do any three-dimensional things, art, crafts? Yeah, I did. I did a little bit of sculpture. I got into governor school at one point in high school. and Got, got into what? Governor school. I don't know what that is. It was like a gifted arts summer program. I think it was a month long um, at a college out in Virginia that was out in the middle of nowhere and just taking art classes for four weeks and living in dorms. Feeling and like how a, old were you then? 15 or 16. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, you knew what was going on when you were 15, 16 years old. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, well, I was six. No, okay. no, no, Okay. No. So, you knew, no. you knew what was happening. Yeah. And then uh, took AP art classes. I look back at that work and shudder because <laughs> <laughs> high school. Well, you were learning. I was. And, and, and exploring, hopefully. Exploring a lot of bad ideas that I got out of my system real early. I think that's really important for all of us in yes. a lot of aspects. Uh, and then went to VCU for illustration. Well, 
I applied to go into fashion design, decided that was too subjective, and then went into illustration, which isn't really any much better. But so and when then I met you. you. Hey, yeah, that's that's where we met. <laughs> yeah, and we were actually um, holding that class in the Pollock Building, which mm-hmm. had nothing to do with Jackson Pollock. It nope. was it was a female Pollock. And I, I'm, I don't even know that I even knew that okay. back then. Okay. I was. Well, you were concentrating on other things. Yeah, I so, was also twenty. And well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not terribly bright. <laughs> well, um, okay. So you were interested in in uh, painting, and you were doing art and art classes, etc. When did the dance come along? Um, that was in high school. We were talking about this a minute ago. I was taking swing classes. I saw the belly dance class walk in, was transfixed, and had to do that. Went home and told my mom and my dad, oh, I want to take a belly dance class next. And there was some screaming. <laughs> and <laughs> Now, why were they screaming? Uh, they, or is that an exaggeration? Th- that's a little bit of an exaggeration. They were none too pleased. They were not going to pay for a belly dance class. I could very inaccurately be remembering the phrase prostitutes and whores. Um, <laughs> you made me laugh. Okay, I don't know why it's inappropriate for me to laugh, but it, I can just, it just sounds like parents. Yeah, yeah. And I was like 17 at the time. They probably said that's not an, appro- that's not an appropriate thing for your age. My brain translated that into something else. Um, and then a week later, I said, hey, there's this uh, world dance class where you explore. Uh, different ethnic dances from different regions of the world. Can I take that? And they said yes. And wow, then I took that smart. money and I you went to belly dance smart. class. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay, so listen up, kids. <laughs> if you if you tell the truth with big fancy words, you're uh, not technically uh, lying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, well, but you, uh, yeah. So, so I I took that class for eight weeks. And you were a junior in uh, high that was, school? So that would have been my senior year of high school. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and then I went to college. Yeah. In college, that's a tough time to like pursue. I hate to call it a hobby, but it was you were a hobbyist at that it was. time. Yeah. So um, did you have to give up the belly dancing for a while to yeah, do other the, things? The whole time I was there, I mean, in high school, I had a car that my parents let me use to get around. Mm-hmm. So life was easy. I went to college and I was sent without a car. But well, it was it was Richmond, so it's it's a city. There's public transportation. But finding a belly dance class then, we didn't have the internet really. The internet was kind of not good, so nothing different was, than it is now. For yeah, sure. yeah. So you're scouring through the phone book with paper, <laughs> looking what? for dance studios what? and calling them up and saying, "Do you have belly dance classes?" And okay, not getting your phone calls returned. So. When did you finally, okay, you're out of college. Moved to Kansas City. Okay, and then that's when you started pursuing it again, saying, "Eh, I need to do this. Yeah, I met some other, um, I'm going to say girls, because we were in our 20s, but women at the time, Mm -hmm. and they knew a belly dance teacher, and then we started going to different classes in the area and found the belly dance community and found other classes and started our own troupe and... When did you, in your own mind, figure out that, because I remember you just told me you were, you were young and you kind of started this Mm -hmm. and dabbled in it here. Oh, this is called belly dancing and let's do this and got eight weeks under your belt. When, at, at what point did you say, this can be a really cerebral thing. This is athleticism, uh, it's interpretation. Um, and it's, you know, the psychology of what I'm doing when I put my costume sets on. When did it all kind of come together and it, it made sense like this was, a, this was something that was actually a pretty serious happening in your life, in your head? Uh, it was probably a couple of years after I moved to Kansas City. I mean, up, up to a certain point... Um, dancing was very, I mean, we did, we had our like group choreographies and a lot of them were very like humorous and silly, um, for what was going on in the belly dance 
world at the time, fusion was kind of, or the kind of fusion that was starting to happen was sort of a new concept where you were meshing belly dance with other styles of dance. Like we had one piece that was belly dance um, meshed up with um, Scottish Highland dancing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a, a little bit of a stretch, but uh, cult, yeah. you said you called it a cultural dance. Yeah. And so uh, fusion belly dance is a thing where you're taking belly dance and meshing it with other stuff, hopefully in a intelligent and not <laughs> happenstance mess of a way. What do you think is a misconception about belly dancing? So if you had this, this um, you literally have on a microphone right now. Mm -hmm. So what could you say and perhaps guide us into thinking more positively or correctly than, than maybe some stereotypes are. Um, and we've touched on yeah, some of that. Yeah. Um, and these are all going to be based on personal experience. That's all we've um, got. That's what the Zen Buddha said. Yeah. Not, no but, well, but like not, own. not other people's bad belly dance stories, but my bad belly dance stories. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're not prostitutes. <laughs> you a, you would think that a. that would be obvious. Okay. Let's go on to um, B. Yeah. Uh, it's not just putting on a spangly costume and shaking your body. There's a lot of work put into it. Um, I try to practice daily. I'm not always great about it, but even if I can only practice for 30 minutes, that's 30 minutes. Um, if I can have a really good like two hour practice session and I have the energy for that. That seems like a long time. It's not. Really? That's not. Um, I mean, the people who can do it full time, they'll they'll practice six to eight hours a day. Oh my gosh! And and not all of that is just like jogging level dancing, but like working on technique and and working on choreography, where you're working on the same thirty seconds of a song for an hour, trying to figure out what goes here, what what does this music say to me, and how do I say that thing to the audience with body movement instead of words. There was a point. After I started teaching, I think I'd been dancing for seven or nine years at that point, where all of like my art school education and the things I learned about dance and belly dance started to kind of moosh together in this way of thinking about belly dance or dance in general in a very methodical, artistic sense of like, how are we using this dance to tell stories and how can we change our body movements to tell these stories better that make more sense within this culture and how are your angles and your hand gestures and your movements in conjunction with the music like telling that story to its best effect that's why we're here that's why yeah. that's what i wanted to know and and we're we are establishing the fact that it's not putting on, as you said, a spangly costume mm -hmm. and, and shaking it and shaking it <laughs> as uh, someone I there's... used to hang out with said a couple of times. <laughs> uh, yeah, there there's much much more to it. Yeah, uh, I and, think. And, and and the costumes are not cheap. Um, a cheap costume is three hundred dollars. Um, the more expensive costumes are thousands. When you're putting that much time and effort into taking classes and buying music and these costumes and then your hours of practice, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of it's stuff. A, it's a huge investment yes. in many aspects. Yes. And the costumes are part of the culture, mm -hmm. part of the culture of the world where the dance comes from or whatever you may want to portray. Mm -hmm. You mentioned previously you can break down belly dancing into cultures of the world mm -hmm. and in cultures inside of that culture and mm -hmm. cultures inside of culture culture yeah you know it it's uh, yeah and if, you can, and if you're doing like like the cultural forms like like saudi arabian dancing has very particular costumes that go with very particular movements and moroccan dancing has very particular costumes that go with very particular movements which is very different than egyptian dancing and you can learn to identify all of these and be like oh that's that's what that is is that where some of the fusion comes in? Somebody can pick and choose certain things? Yeah, to... so, yes. Um, so the fusion belly dance really started with American tribal style, um, which was a troupe uh, fat chance belly dance. If I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while since I read any of this. Um, they started, um, Carolina Narikio started a 
vocabulary that has visual cues. So none of their routines are routines. None of them are choreographed, but they can have 20, 30 people on a stage all dancing in unison, looking like they're doing a choreographed piece. Well, where does the impetus come to do each movement followed by the it's next? It's all hand gestures and gestures within the moves. They so all have are they all watching of... someone? That's... Yeah, so there'll be a leader, oh, and okay. the leader is cueing everybody else. And this is the only reason I've never really gotten super... I love ATS. I love watching ATS. ATS I love playing is... American tribal style. Okay. Um, I love playing with ATS. Um but the limited vocabulary you get with ATS makes me a little bit crazy in a personal way because I want to say more things than ATS really will allow. It's, it's a very folkloric-looking style, um, but everything is visual cues. Um, I think there's a couple of moves that, might, moves that might have vocal cues. And other groups have come from that and created their own very similar like vocabularies where they can do group pieces that are completely non-choreographed but look like finished polished work and then some groups started taking the look of those movements infusing it back into the egyptian and the saudi arabian and the moroccan stuff and then also taking elements of ballet and dragging it in and taking elements of african dance and flamenco and dragging it in and so that's where the term fusion came from. Yes. Taking yeah. whatever so, so is that's appropriate. Where, yeah, that, that's where tribal that fusion came from. Okay. And then it, that's been around for so long that it's kind of just petered and diversified out into all kinds of weirdness. <laughs> okay. How important are, and I, I will call them bells. Tell mm -hmm. me what they are. Because it seems like belly dancers have the little chain and they're making... They're making sound. Sound is part of... The finger symbols? The, the finger symbols. And I thought there was sometimes a, a belt. The coin had. belts. Okay. Yeah. Coin belts. Okay. So they're not really bells, but they're... They're coins. Jingly things. Yeah. Now, is that a traditional thing or is that a, a, an um, invention of somebody else that... It, it stems from a tradition of uh, women wearing money to keep it safe and to also display like wealth as dowry they sound they can sound pretty uh i don't care for them <laughs> okay so when you're putting on your costume sets it's not really important that that noise that sound no. is part of the dance no okay. i mean if when i was dancing out at ren fair i wore a lot of that stuff because i usually just had like a drummer and then any extra like percussion or melody or whatever you could get going when you're just dancing with a drummer can help so that was just another layer another yeah. um sonic layer yeah and if you're playing the finger symbols then like you can have a rhythm playing and you can like tap out a melody whatever you want really with the symbols but that's a whole level of coordination that i personally struggle with a great deal <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think that's a really interesting part of it because obviously belly dancer from point of view of the observer mm -hmm. obviously is visual mm -hmm. and then you do have the finger symbols mm -hmm. and I always thought that the coin belt was like that was you know that's the next thing that you put on it was so important and now you're saying no it's kind of an optional thing yeah some people do it some people yeah. don't there, there's, some, on your, there's some your teachers who ban them from their classes um I did <laughs> Just because they're annoying or they're, because they're not traditional and it's just kind of a silly just, thing? They're noisy. Okay, yeah. And if you're teaching and you're trying to get people to listen to like a particular piece of music and a particular part of that music and then there's a bunch of extra ambient sound going on, it's very distracting. Um, some teachers really want people to wear them because the sound is distracting. It can also throw off your movements. Because that sound, like if you're doing a hip drop and you're wearing a coin scarf, um, your hip drops and you want the drop to happen on the beat, but that coin scarf movement is going to be slightly off from that. So you'll have students who rely on that auditory cue rather than listening to their body and listening to the music. You mentioned teaching a couple of times. Yep. When did you think you were ready to teach or wanted to teach or needed to teach? 
I had one of my teachers actually decided for me, because I let her, that in order for me to continue learning, I needed to teach. So, so she talked did, me into what it. What did that mean in your mind? Like to get to the next level, you had to... To, I think, to create like a deeper understanding of the movements and the way I was thinking about the movements, the, she couldn't help me anymore. I needed to start teaching to think about them in a different way, especially when you're dealing with a bunch of people whose brains work differently than you. Like your teacher, you know, like everybody learns a little bit differently. And so sometimes you have to describe something 12 different ways to get to the way that they're going to understand it. Did it help you in, in your mind as far as getting to the next level to be able to think about a movement and then you had to verbalize it and then you had to demonstrate it maybe several ways? I mean, mm -hmm. is that part of what she was trying to get you to realize, to manifest, you know, really zeroing in on specific parts of the dance? Yeah, and then also... Um... Students ask weird questions like they're they're questioning things that you might not have thought about or things that you would just take for, like of course this works this way this has always worked this way I don't need to think about how it works or why it works this way and then somebody asks you to explain it and you've got to step back and go oh let me <laughs> can you think let of me, an example um, uh, arm movements in particular um, my shoulder blades uh, hyperextend out. And for me, that makes arm movements, like all of the snake arm stuff, a lot easier because I have more rotation in my shoulder. I also, wish you could have seen what she just did. <laughs> okay, that, that was big. All right. It, it also makes pull-ups a lot harder for me. Okay. <laughs> um, because if I pull up, my shoulder blades want to fan out okay. instead of staying in that stable downward kind of position. Um, so people, this is great. I never thought about this people's anatomy can have a huge uh, effect on their movements, mm -hmm. whether they can do them correctly or incorrectly, or, or let's say easily or so some dancer with shorter legs and a longer spine might do certain movements. And then you've got this dancer that has nothing but legs mm -hmm. and short waisted. So that can really affect. Yeah. Um, and, and none of the movements are so, I mean, it's not like ballet where you've got to be able to do the splits or like get your legs extended so far. I mean, all of it is very kind of centered in that core area of your body. Um, but sometimes you have to find the way to do the movement that works not only for your skeleton and your musculature, but your proportions. So someone with like a smaller uh, pelvis is going to have to push a little bit harder and work a little bit harder to get like those really big hip movements to show as compared to somebody who's got like more of like, I guess what you would call childbearing hips. Like I had a student um, very briefly, uh, a man um, who had the tiniest little pelvis and he really struggled with all of the hip movements there was nothing there to, because to bump he had out. To, he, he had to hyperextend to get to like what he was considering to be like a good level. And then a lot of that is kind of taking into account like, you know what? Your body does have a certain amount of yes and a certain amount of maybe not. Mm -hmm. And do what you can with what you have and don't make yourself crazy because your hips are a different shape than mine. I would think that attitude of your students has a huge amount on how well they can learn to do this at a, at a higher level. Yes. I mean, you have to, this is, uh, belly dancing isn't, I'm not going to say it's an odd thing. It's not odd. It's but not It's not, it's common. not common. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think you just really have to want to do it. And you have to learn to love your body in a certain way, whatever shape or form or proportions it is. Is it important to watch yourself while you, uh, yeah. While you, while you yeah. learn and, like, and practice? Like, like back to the hip scarves. Mm -hmm. Um, my first teacher Anthea, who I'm still in contact with and she's awesome. She's still out in Virginia doing her thing. 
um, had us wear non-coin hip scarves because um, she didn't want the noise distraction. She didn't want us relying on like that sound echo, but she wanted us to have that straight line going across your hips mm-hmm. so we could look in the mirror and really gauge from where that line was moving for how far your hips were actually like moving in position. Yeah, that makes sense. You, you so, had a gauge. You had mm-hmm. from you had a, a, a clear measurement that you could look and say, oh, I'm not relying on like some weird bone under my skin that's moving under my skin and my skin's doing weird stuff because I'm twisting in a strange direction. Mm-hmm. Explain that you've had students that are questioning um, yeah, I, their like, body or I what had, they're doing. Uh, one or two students um, who had more curves to them and thought that because they weren't tiny, svelte, little wisps of things that they weren't capable of doing whatever movement we were working on at the time. And I had them actually like push into their own bodies with their hands, like here, touch your hip and then feel like, don't look in the mirror, just feel how much your hip is just moving. And you can do this movement. It's there. Your weight has nothing to do with your ability to do this movement. You just have to stop looking at your weight and start looking at your body as this thing that can do this weird, beautiful stuff. That sounds really important. Yeah. (laughs) Especially, I hate to say it, at this day and age, that's, you know, you're, you're talking a lot of pretty heavy body issue mm-hmm. and, and gender issues and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all there. Yeah. It's there. And, and as much as like, like culture is shifting a little bit to be maybe more, slightly more body positive, we're still assaulted by media at all sides of, of as a woman, you've got to be oh so thin and, and oh so skin perfect and this and that and the other and, and I'm like, no, just, just be, just be how you are. So do you think belly dancing helps people realize that? I think it can. Like we talked about before, there is a certain amount of like social, I'm going to say stigma around belly dance. Um, There are a lot of people who view it um, sexually rather than sensually. Um, Different people have different opinions on what age it's appropriate to start belly dance. Um, I know of performers who have kids who started them at a very young age, um, typically with the more culturally accurate styles that are a little bit more covered up and a little bit less flashy, I guess. But I mean, you you can go on YouTube and find videos of six-year-olds belly dancing beautifully, like in a very terrifying <laughs> way. <laughs> um and 80-year-olds, same thing. Like, there's not really an age limit, but there is a social thing surrounding it that you need to be cognizant of. And then also, like, once something gets on the internet, you lose control over it forever. So, like, people say terrible things. And if you have a kid who's 10 and they want to belly dance, just be aware that if you put videos of them on the internet or they belly dance publicly and some random person takes a video of them and puts it on the internet like it may get weird it may Mm -hmm. not it may be fine like you might luck out but people on the internet can be monsters so back to you Mm -hmm. you still enjoy it yeah yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't do it if i didn't enjoy it there's no money in it (laughs) well no i i yeah yeah Yeah. I, i won't say i understand that i'm just saying that you did it Years ago, yeah. Then you quit. Mm-hmm. Then you came back, and you were teaching. Yeah, you are. I am. You are blessed with being a belly dancer, and tomorrow you may be cursed with it, but you'll end up being blessed with it again. Yeah, and there's. I'm approaching it a lot differently than I was before. Um, there was. Is a that point just in... from getting? I hate to say it, getting older. I yeah, mean, we are all getting yeah, older. Yeah, there's you know definitely what I mean. some. I'm I'm 37 now. I'm not stars in my eyes, thinking I'm going to <laughs> like make a career as a belly dancer. I mean, there are people who do it, but this is not something I want or desire anymore. Um, I know a lot of people that play guitar every day mm-hmm. because they love it 
and they know they're not going to move to Hollywood and be a billionaire. Yeah. They do it because they, for some reason, they have to. Mm -hmm. They need to. Yeah. Um, there's, there's something in you that needs that outlet. Yeah. I mean, so for a while I was teaching and I was performing. And then there was a four-year span in there where I was actually running a local belly dance show where I was bringing in other dancers and we had a venue and we would do it once a month, like a, a showcase type thing. I was aware of that. I was observing that <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And I remember that. And that was going really, really well for a while. And I kind of, between like students and running that and the belly dance community and then everything else that happened, like burnt out a little bit and wasn't doing it for myself. I was doing it because it was the thing I was doing. And now I'm not really interested in teaching. I have somebody I'm talking to kind of in a mentorship capacity, like, but it's very loose and amorphous and on my terms. Like we don't have regular standing lessons. We're just kind of playing it by ear and seeing what happens. I'm practicing because I want to practice, not because I have any shows coming up or because I must, because it's expected of me. I'm doing it because I like it. And I not doing shows for money. Not that I don't want to get paid if I do them and not that I'm not still going to charge appropriate rates if I take a show. But if I don't want to do your show, I'm not doing your show. <laughs> Well, because I'm just not interested. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have attached part of your life to belly dancing for all the best reasons right now. Yeah, and it's I'm really happy for you. Thank it's, you. It sounds like you've you've come a long way doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And like I always tell people, playing guitar, painting, belly dancing, working on a hot rod, yeah, whatever's in your gut, you just you can't. There's something that all of us just can't escape from. Yeah. And that's okay. That's, I think that's a very good thing because maybe there are people out there that have no passion. They don't want to do anything. There's nothing that's driving them. That's giving them this joy. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't understand it and that's okay too. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> good for you for being right there where you are right yeah. now. I'm very happy. Thank you. Well, thank you, Michelle. Yeah.